Bet365 sponsors our podcast and features over 300,000 sporting events on their betting app. It's got everything you'll ever need to bet on sport. Their bet builder lets you calculate the odds for any game right there in your hands. Bet365 is the world's favorite online sport betting company. The app can be downloaded from Google Play and Apple App Store. Over 18s only, please gamble responsibly. Hello and welcome to the latest uh, show of You Irons with me, Sam Delaney and Rashane Thomas from The Athletic as we react to another disappointing result at the London Stadium, West Ham 3, Brighton and Hove Albion 3. We build this one as a nine-pointer because as we sink ever deeper into a relegation battle, this was the one game for the next few weeks we thought we might be able to get three points out of. Liverpool, Man City lie ahead. It seemed we were cruising at around about 70 minutes and then it all went wrong. Rashane, you're at the game. What did you make of it? Big, big opportunity miss for West Ham. You just left thinking, like, it's just so typical of West Ham. So typical. 3-1 up, over 30 minutes to go. Everyone's thinking, yep, three points, you know, good performance. And then, you know, when Moyes took off Antonio, that's when it started to go downhill. Exactly right. I mean, Antonio seemed to have Brighton on the back foot the whole game. He was busy. He was everything that we expect of him. Busy, strong, positive. And it seemed to have an effect on the whole team. We didn't really need to worry so much about defending because he was kind of driving us forward. When he went off and Masuaku came on, I'm a fan of Masuaku as an attacker, but I always think when he comes on and we're trying to defend a lead that he will definitely offer the opposition at least one opportunity to score. (laughs) And that's exactly what he did as soon as he came on, really, isn't it? Yep, and that was the uh, Pascal Gross goal, in fact, where he headed it back and then, like, Diop and Bonner had some sort of, like, mix-up and then that's how they got back in the game and then, yeah, just just crazy. That, just... That, that goal, that goal was one of the silliest and most embarrassing goals <laughs> I've ever seen, not just us concede, but anyone ever concede. Yeah. The way it trickled across the line at about 0.5 <laughs> miles per hour I was so embarrassed to see that go in. I mean, it was farcical. Farcical defending is a phrase overused, but yeah. it was every. It was like Laurel and Hardy stuff. Masuaku made a hash of his clearance when he should have just put his boot straight through it. But then we still didn't. You know, we still could have cleaned it up. Yeah. We had both our centre backs fall into complete confusion. The goalkeeper as well. And this is following that first goal of shame. Yeah. Where uh, Fabianski, who usually is our one reliable player, who is always going to turn in a good performance, punches it against the back of Ogbonna's head. This is the worst defending (laughs) I've ever seen. Uh, You know what? In the press conference, I asked Moyes, like, for this goal, would you put it down to bad defending or is Ogbonna just unlucky to be in that position? He was like, nope, bad defending. You should have done a lot better. You should have headed the ball. And I was thinking, like, I can remember, I remember the Burnley game where Berto, like, punched the ball into his own net. Obviously, it's a bit different, but it all had a bit of similarity. You know what I mean? It had a bit of similarities. Listen, if we go down this year, if we go down this year, someone's got to make a compilation of some of the, <laughs> like, absurd, farcical uh, goals that were calamitous goals oh, that we have goodness. conceded. 
And I defy anyone, you know, to, to come up with a, a, an example of a Premier League team who have conceded quite so many stupid goals in a season. I mean, we all thought that David Moyes is the, was the sort of manager who at the very least would come in and get our defence organised. Our defence has never looked so bad. Yeah, He's tried three at the back. He's tried four at the back. He's tried a combination of all of our different centre-backs. Nothing's working. Uh, what's he got to do? Are we so all-marking, do you think, Rashane? Uh, it, seems like, it seems like it, especially from the corner. Well, mm. not in the corner, the, the set pieces from today. It seems like it, and it's not, it's not working. And like even I'm in the press really... conference, I was like to Moyes, like bad defending has been happening. Like even before you like you return, like under Pellegrini, we were terrible at defending set pieces. Still an issue now. Like what are you gonna do? He's like, oh, you know, it's still early days. I'm gonna work hard with the team and try and like get better. But you're just thinking like the team's still gonna make mistakes. Like it's just typical of West Ham right now. Rashane, let me stop you there. The way you're. You are recounting your exchange with David yeah. Moyes in the press conference makes you sound pretty ballsy. Are you really saying it to him like that? Because how you're saying it, I mean, David Moyes yeah. is a Scot, is a glass, is a Glaswegian, yeah. he's a no-nonsense Glaswegian. You're telling me that you're waltzing in to that <laughs> press conference and you're saying it just like I said it. What are you going to do, mate? What are you going to do about defending? It's rubbish. My, what are you my, do you, I mean, how are you going to get sorted out? Yeah, my exact That's question to him was: I was like, David, like, how do you how do you intend to address this bad defender? Because it's been a regular theme for West Ham, even under Pellegrini. That is how I asked him that question, and he gave me a good All answer. Right. Okay. All right. Let's listen to what he said. I thought the performance in the main was very good. I thought we made a couple of really, really silly mistakes. For lots of periods of the game, the performance was good. The, we were three one up. We were two 0 up at one point as well. We had. We offered a threat at different times, as the day, but I thought we uh, we done an awful lot of good things, and it's sort of been tarnished by a couple of mistakes. We gave them a leg up just after half time to make it two one. Then when we get three uh, three one up, we give them a massive leg up with 20 minutes to go, and we'd also just taken Mickey Antonio off, which was arguably our biggest threat as well. So we were we were hanging on at that time and. Uh, it just became uh, quite difficult in the end. But ultimately, you know, when you're a player in the Premier League and so much is at stake, you have to, you have to stand up. Like the managers, you know, we have to, we don't win the games, we have to stand up and take responsibility. The players have to do that as well. Well, there you go. He, he, he's really tried everything in terms of the personnel at the back. Clearly, zonal marking's not working. I wonder if he'll just change tack and go to a more conventional way of defending. You could, but again, you just you can just see West Ham making a mistake regardless of what what changes you make at the back, because it's just inevitable right now. I mean, against tougher teams like Man City and Liverpool, I mean, mm. we'll be punished like six five nil. And the thing is, right, it's obviously three three. But in the first half, Brighton had a few good chances. Mm. Brighton had a couple of good chances in the first half, and that was down to like bad defending, you know, lapsing concentration. I'm not sure if you've seen this, Sam, but I've seen a tweet that. West Ham have like uh, lost 19 points from winning positions so far this season. Yeah, I did see that. That is just I did crazy. See that. Absolutely it is crazy. crazy. It is crazy. But listen, you know what I want to try and do on today's show is I want to try and take some positives out of it. It's not easy to do, yeah. obviously, in our position. But you have to think that 70 minutes 
you have to recapture how you were feeling and what you were thinking. Yeah. You've already said it felt like a good performance. It yeah. felt like the start of something new. We knew we had two new players in, in this. We had one new in the team and another yeah. one who we'd just signed. So that was yeah. that presumably infuses everyone, the players, yeah. the coaching staff and the fans with a positivity, right? Uh, Antonio played well. There were a few decent performances. And I was thinking to myself, we're going to get out of this now, you know? And in some ways, the fact that the goals we conceded were down to really stupid individual errors makes me think, I still think we can get out of this. The players still looked like they were working for it. And I just think that if he can keep coaching them hard and iron out those individual errors, we're still going to be able to do what what is required to stay stay in the Premier League. What do you reckon? I agree, and I have a, a bit more optimism because obviously we signed Boren, we have Thomas Suchek, and also we have Anderson to return and Yarmolenko. Mm. So we have attacking players who come back and obviously do well. And I was really encouraged by uh, Suchek's performance today. I thought he was really good. He was. He, was, he wasn't. He was. He looked like he was trying. Yeah. I think he looked at times like the pace was a shock, as it would be when you've arrived from the Czech League. Um, so he didn't get hold of the ball that much, but he did yeah. actually have a fantastic chance. And was only yeah. denied by an incredible save, wasn't he? I know, that was a really good header, really good header. And he actually won that free kick. So, you yeah. know what I mean? So, But you know what? I'm not sure if you've seen his stats today, but it's another game where Haller hasn't had a shot. No mm. shots whatsoever. <laughs> zero shots. Two games running now, zero shots. Well, listen, I was happy to see Lanzini dropped. I would have liked to have seen... I, I personally would have gone for Antonio up front and dropped Haller. I think Haller needs to be dropped. Yeah. I think that his performances have declined throughout the season and that, it, like we've said before, he feels under no pressure in terms of his first-team place. Yeah. And he, he simply sometimes, when we create chances, which, by the way, I thought we did quite well today, you know, I thought Fredericks um, put in some really great crosses. Yeah. Um, we, you know, we, we we were delivering good balls into the box, and I think that Moyes has clearly asked us to play in yeah. a more direct attacking way, which, I frankly, agree. I welcome. Yeah. You know, people have all, always talked about the West Ham way, this, that, and the other. What I want to see now is us just getting balls into the box because I think it's the only way we're going to get out of this situation. Yeah. I don't think I think we were trying, we were attempting to play a style of football under Pellegrini that our players simply weren't good enough to play. But we've got a squad that could potentially get out if we we're a little bit more direct in our football. But for that to work, we need our centre-forward to be getting on the end of balls and getting in the area. Sometimes he's yeah. just not there. Yeah. I think that's probably one of the reasons why he's brought in Sircek as his sort of new Marion Fellaini, I think. Yeah. You know, a midfielder who can clearly get on the end of crosses. He's, got, he's a defensive midfielder with a great scoring record, isn't he? Yeah, really good. And you know what? I also want to give a special mention to um, Snodgrass. Snodgrass mm. has been amazing. Like He's been really good. His, his delivery was spot on today. It's been spot on for quite some time now. And when you think about it, early in the season, right, Pellegrini, for some reason, kept playing at him in central midfield. And obviously now, yeah. he's playing out on the wing, his best position. And yeah, he's been, he's been really good. Two goals and one assist today. It, don't you think Robert Snodgrass is an excellent man as well? Wait, hold on. It's not, it's, actually, it's not even Robert Snodgrass. It's the Scottish Messi. That is what he is. Yeah, Scottish, that's what he Scot is. Yeah, the Scottish Messi. Robert Snodgrass, the Scottish Messi, is a, an incredible bloke, right? You can see the way he drives the team on. He's got an incredible attitude. 
He fights and works, but he's also got real class about him and his delivery and his vision, right? Uh, he is a brilliant player, but more than anything, the way in which he was treated by the club when we signed him, the fans weren't that nice to him at first. They boot, He got booted up to Villa. Karen Brady slagged him off in the press. And he still came back and proved everyone wrong. And I think he's a contender for Hammer of the Season. Snodgrass and, and Declan are leading the way for, for Hammer of the Season, in my opinion. Mm. They've been really yeah. good. But more so Snodgrass. He's been really good. And, and, and I think if Antonio had more game time, he would have been a shoo-in for it. But unfortunately, yeah. I mean, whenever he has played, he's been our best player. But unfortunately, he hasn't played enough games. Hopefully, that will change between now and the end of the season. And I, and I hope um, with Antonio, he can stay fit for the remainder of the season because we're going to need him big time. Like, if he can stay because yeah. there's, there's a point in the first half where you're waiting down and everyone thought, oh no, he's injured, yeah. he's going to come off. So hopefully, he can stay fit. And the only reason he went off after 70 minutes, presumably, was because of his match fitness levels. Um, because he's still coming back. And that was a frustrating thing because if he'd stayed on the pitch, I'm convinced we would have won the game. Yeah, um, so too. Let, let's talk about uh, something exciting then. Jared Bowen. I hadn't heard his name mentioned in connection with West Ham really at all throughout the transfer window until I think it was Thursday night. I mean, yeah. I you know, I've been following the gossip like everyone does during the transfer window, refreshing the Twitter feed and all the rest of it non-stop looking for it and uh, suddenly we, we're linked with him and within a few hours we've gazumped Crystal Palace. This seems like a really, really exciting signing. Um, what, what, t- tell us what you know about him, Rashane. Very much so. I mean, he's 23, scored 14 goals so far. In the ch- well, he scored 14 goals in the Championship. I think I might say he's got like over 50 goals during his time at Hull City. So we, we've signed a goal scorer and he's not even a striker, he's a ringer. So he definitely knows his right. So he, he he plays on the wing, right? Is that yeah. where he, his regular position is for Hull? Yeah. yeah so he plays comes in he, he comes in off the right or the left or what? Uh, both both flanks. He can play on the, on the right and left. So he's right. versatile. Yeah, versatile. So it's quite so. quite interesting then. So he's not going to be someone who we who is going to put Haller under pressure. He's going to be more putting the likes of Antonio Snodgrass, Yarmolenko, Antonio. He's going to be he's going to be vying with them. Correct. Game time. Correct. Well, Correct. I mean, <laughs> it, in that sense, in that sense, it's quite an interesting signing because we are very overstaffed in creative wide players at the moment. I mean, I didn't even name all of them then. I didn't even <laughs> name Lanzini and Fornells, both of but, whom sort but of you like know to what? play wide. The thing with the players you mentioned, they have no pace. Jared Bowen yes. has pace. You know, I mean, right. and yeah. everyone, every West Ham fan knows that like, we really pace. Apart from what Masuaku and. Antonio, we have no pace yeah. in the team. And Fredericks. Yeah, Fredericks, Fredericks is, yeah. is a quick player. Yeah, yeah Fredericks too. Yeah, there's no pace with Byron Rawls players. So, yeah, he'll be a good, a good addition to the team, in my opinion. West Ham's whole problem when I watch them is that every player, it sounds very simple, right? And I'm no tactical expert. I've never coached a team in my life. But every player takes two or three too many touches on the ball when they receive it. Yeah. Have you ever noticed that? Whenever it looks like today, right, Brighton, th- this is one of those games where it's two pretty poor teams, right? Brighton and West have two poor teams. So what, what you saw today was a lot of opportunities being created as a result of mistakes. And Brighton gave the ball away a lot in crucial moments. Yeah. And every time we received the ball from them and looked to break, someone, very often Noble, who I'm a <laughs> massive fan of, but this is one of his problems, right? They, they don't look up and play the easy ball out. They touch, 
they look one way, then they turn around, look the other way, and sometimes they turn back a third time. They take three or four touches. There was one <laughs> sequence. There was one sequence of play where we played one touch football, couple of one twos down the wing. I think um, Fredericks ended up getting a cross in, and it nearly created a chance. Right, and I thought that is the first time I've seen West Ham playing one touch football all season. Right, I would like to see us either play nice one touch football or long ball direct stuff to get out of this. But the amount of opportunities we wasted because we couldn't break yeah. with that pace and power that that we need to on the counter attack is embarrassing. Exactly, exactly. And we we saw it quite a bit during the first half and early part of the second half. But again, when Antonio came off, that's when it all went downhill because his pace helped us, you know, break on the counter attack and do all this sort of stuff. But you know what? I found so funny in this match when Glenn Murray scored. Right, I was thinking to myself, <laughs> remember the first podcast after the Leicester City game. And you're like, if yeah. there's one player, if there's one player yeah. to get alone, it's Glenn Murray. And Glenn oh, Murray man. scores his first league goal of the season against which club? West Ham. <laughs> you know what I mean? I know, I know. I don't know whether you're in a way blaming me for that, Rache, <laughs> as if I cursed us. But listen, I thought I called it and I thought he's the sort of lad we need. And actually, it would have been nice if we'd signed a centre forward yesterday. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. For all the reasons we've said, for all the reasons we've said, Halad needs some competition and some pressure. And if David Moyes and David Sullivan had listened to me, they would have signed Glenn Murray by now and he would have been scoring for us, not Brighton today. So, Mate, Sam, you, you could be the new director of football. <laughs> you I'll know tell you what, I, mean? I, I, I genuinely, I think I could do a very good job in that role. Um, like I say, I'm, I'm, no, I'm no tactician or coach. But I see myself in a, an executive role where I sit in a big office. Uh, I don't have to spend time on the training ground in the cold and I make the big decisions and usually get off work at around about 4.35ish, something like that. Yeah. Enough time to get home and see the kids, you know. Of course, of course. And I, obviously I think that the... kind of role is made for me. And also in time to watch uh, your future colleague, Karen Brady, on The Apprentice. So that, that, that too. Exactly right. Exactly right. Um, well, Rashane, it's been very disappointing. What have we got next? City and Liverpool. I mean, City and Liverpool. We, there's it's no not... hope for us in those two games, is it? <laughs> it's not looking promising. You know what? In my Q and A after the games, a lot of fans are like, "The season's finished. That is it. Like we're down." Like a lot of fans think because of this result today, like that's it. We're, we're getting relegated. There's there's a couple of things I'd say to that. One is, you know, we played well today. And we made some defensive errors. But I saw enough out of that performance to think, yeah, we scored three goals. If you've got a team who are capable of scoring, who are scoring goals, right, then you've always got a chance. I think that's the first, the first positive thing is that we played well today. We scored three goals. I feel as if we should have won the game. The second thing is we've got two new signings, both of whom are players who score goals on top of the ones we've already got, right? And I think Jared Bowen, in particular, someone compared it to the time we signed... Dean Ashton all those years ago, in as much as it was the first time we'd actually invested a, a significant amount of money in a promising young English player. You know, the uh, rumour has it that we had the chance a couple of years ago to sign James Madison from Norwich and we didn't take it. And so uh, perhaps this time we've, we've made the right decision. So I'm really excited by that signing and, and obviously Surcek as well. So that's a, a second reason for feeling positive. Uh, you know, lastly, though, all I'd say is, and, you know, I might get some flat for this, be negative about the owners of the club. 
it's our right to complain about the way in which this club has been run over the past 10 years. There's a lot to complain about and we hope soon to get some spokespeople in um, about this fans campaign and get them on the show and, and find out a bit more. Uh, and I think that is a wonderful thing and, it, and it's an expression of fan frustration that every fan should be allowed to do at any club. But there is a huge amount of negativity aimed at these players. I mean, even at the game last weekend at West Brom, there was some lads sat by me and my son, and I swear to God, within five minutes or less, they were absolutely giving the players the worst abuse, you know, I've, I've almost ever heard. Relentless, right? I've been going to West Ham since the mid-1980s, right? And I've seen some terrible performances and I've seen fans get angry and frustrated in the past. But the amount of vitriol and criticism and negativity and hatred aimed at our own players now is absolutely bizarre. And it's not really what supporting West Ham's about, in my opinion. You know, yeah, you can complain about the way the clubs run, but when you're there at a match, the whole point of being a supporter is you get behind the players. These players are, with the exception of one or two, are trying. Some of them just aren't good enough. When I was a kid going in the 1980s, we had players like Georgie Paris, who wasn't the most technically gifted player in the world. But I can tell you this, he didn't have 10,000 people shouting dog's abuse at him because he had a West Ham shirt on, so everyone was behind him. And I think it, 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 it suggests a huge amount of entitlement amongst West Ham fans. Uh, and, you know, the, and a lack of understanding of what it means to support a team. If you look on Twitter tonight, there are a significant number of West Ham fans giving absolute dog's abuse to a bunch of players who will be as gutted as any of us tonight that they let that lead slip. And I, I don't know, I think it's a problem that's getting worse for Shane and I find yeah. it really depressing and upsetting. You know what, very quickly, before the um, Brighton game in Moyes' last press conference, like, I asked him, like, you know, Lansing's been getting a hard time from fans, like, have you pulled him aside to like have a you know chat with him about his confidence? And Wayne said he actually has. He pulled Lanzini aside and, mm. aside rather and spoke to him about you know don't worry about what's going on like I still back you blah blah blah. So it got to show like it can affect players. It definitely can. I thought it was listen. You and me have talked a great deal about how disappointed we are with Lanzini's performances right on this podcast, and that's fine. But to be at the stadium. Yeah. cheering when a player who has played, you know, he's, he's been with this club a long time and he's been brilliant for the, for this club in the past, right? And he's going for a tough patch. What do you think our roles are as supporters? Do you think it's to be part of the team, part of the club, uh, you know, a, 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 a family together, all encouraging each other and driving each other on, right? Or do you think it's like politics, or some other form of entertainment where we get to boo if we don't think the standard is up to our expectations. Because I don't think that's how football works. I think supporting a team is about loyalty and commitment and passion and togetherness. And you can have a rational criticism of players like we try to do here, right? But what is gonna? what are we going to achieve by, by booing a player who already is clearly suffering from a massive lack of confidence? I... I thought it was really disgusting, out of order, and not like the old West Ham that I know when, when people did that the other night to Lanzini. Yeah. What, what about Carlos Sanchez? Can fans boo him? <laughs> I don't think... I, I don't believe in booing any player 
unless, and I can't even think of it at a time that I've ever done it, but, um, you know, if there is a player who is clearly not making an effort at all, right, yeah. who is absolutely taking a piss or has been, you know, it, it has in some way, whether it's through his performances or, or other actions off the field, has betrayed the club in some way, right? I think it's just unacceptable. You know, I think it's unacceptable. And I think it's particularly unacceptable when there is a player who just isn't, is not performing because of his confidence being low or just isn't that good. Yeah. Bloody hell, I have seen some shit players play for West Ham over the years, Rashane. I mean, <laughs> the, the worst player, and I, and I include Sanchez in this, the worst player in this current squad, right, would be miles better than some of the rubbish that um, I've seen turn out for West Ham in the past, without naming names, but in the bad old days when we were in the old second division, old first division, we had some <laughs> right rubbish in our team, right? And I'd have never booed them as long as they're like, you know, giving it their all. I just think it's unfair to, to boo a player simply because he's shit. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, no. you know, <laughs> you, you can criticise a manager for signing a player who's shit, sure. Yeah. But when he's playing for you, you bloody cheer him on, don't you? Yeah, that is true. That is true. Just think about now. The only, the only uh, sympathy I get from fans is definitely thinking, you know, we pay a lot of money to come here and we feel like we're justified in booing such and such player. Maybe that's maybe that's why they do it. But yeah, I, I agree they with do pay, They do pay money, right, to come. But the point is, they are supporters. Yeah. You know, they're supporters and, and you've got the right to criticise the club and you've got the right to be critical of players. But when you're there in the stadium... You should be the 12th man. The fans, at Upton Park, the fans were always the 12th man. The reason we pulled off so many great results over the years against teams that were better than us is because we had an extra man. That was the crowd. We had a huge intimidating support who were behind the side no matter what. And that's changed since we got to the London stage. And yeah. people do turn up with that entitled sense of, we're going to turn up. And if we don't like what we see, we're going to immediately get on their back. I just think that's madness. Yeah. And you know what? Like, if we look at things like as a whole, and that could be why our home form's so crap. You yeah. Know what I mean? I agree. I agree. It's because they're nervous. They're nervous that the fans are going to get on their back. Of course they're nervous. They're nervous about making mistakes. I think I'm right and saying, just having a look now, I think I'm right and saying, we've only won three games that hold the season. Three matches. That is just crazy. I know. You know it's what I mean? So, yeah. It's madness. But listen... I think the new lads are going to fit into the team. I think Antonio. Uh, uh, I think Antonio's going to get a run of form. I think Moyes is going to get the defence sorted, and I believe we're going to get out of this mess. I don't. I don't think we're going to get much out of the next couple of games. But I think after that, we're back at the London Stadium on I think the 29th of this month against Southampton. That is another must-win game, and I've got high hopes. I, I, I want to try and stay positive. Uh, I will leave you with this thought. I've certainly seen a lot worse than what we've got at the moment. So, Rashane, any final thoughts? Final thoughts is, yeah, got, got to keep the faith. We can, we, I think we have a run in us at some point. We have a run in us at some yeah. point. I've just got, just got to keep positive. Yeah. Because for one, I'm not looking forward to going to like Rotherham, Wigan and Huddersfield, nope, nope. <laughs> That's nah, not at all. I don't fancy. I don't know how I'll break it to my eight-year-old son, who's the biggest West Ham obsessive I've ever met in my life, but has yet to taste the uh, bitter chill of relegation. And I'm having to build myself up to, to explaining that to him. It's not a pleasant prospect. Let's hope I don't have to. Yeah. Listen, uh, we've been You, I, and the brand new West Ham podcast for a, 
reaction straight after the game. Please subscribe to us through all the usual channels. Um, you can get it ad free if you subscribe to The Athletic, of course. You can tweet me with your thoughts on the pod and the performance at Delaney Man. All right, ladies and gents, thanks very much. Uh, keep the faith, come on your irons, and remember, there's only one Samasia Boo.